All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick in order to get that deal and let's get on with the show. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to Making the Argument with Nick Freitas and the gang. I'm joined by Christian, Tina, Nick Remotely, and Hamilton. And I am, of course, Sour Patch Lids. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different because Nick is remote. We're going to be looking at a couple different videos. Um, one of them is from canceled comedian turned podcaster and incisive cultural commentator, Constantine Kissin. Uh, he gave a speech in Britain about wokeness and he really breaks it down and he really puts profound points in there. I'm excited to watch that, that video. I'm less excited to watch the video from the owner of the Miss Universe pageant um, because this is not a woman, but appears as such, does not sound as such. It's a very interesting video, kind of putting a point on all of these cultural issues that we are facing today. So hopefully today's episode will inspire you guys to keep fighting. I know January and February are kind of depressing, so hopefully we'll give you that kind of inspiration to keep on pushing because these are really important conversations that we're going to be having going into the year. So let's hop right into it. Thanks, Lydia. I know we were all here in the studio, but Nick, you are down in Richmond. Can you give us a brief update on what all has been going on since session started last week? Sure. So uh, session has started back up. I'm like, as Hamilton said, I'm down here in Richmond. Uh, I serve on four committees. I chair two subcommittees. So as you can imagine, it gets a little bit hectic, especially in what we call our short session, where we have about 45 days to go through about 2,000 bills. So I really appreciate uh, everyone in the studio's uh, help and, of course, the audience, too, on bearing with us as we kind of you know, have multiple people from different locations being able to chime in. But I'm looking forward to this episode because some of the topics that are coming up in this episode are actually very relevant to some of the debates we'll be having down here in Richmond. Good deal. I will be heading down to Richmond, hopefully mid this week to set Nick up a camera and things down in the, uh, down in Richmond. So hopefully we will have his video back on Thursday for Thursday's episode. But Christian, you had sent us this clip from where was this? Yeah. So this is, was actually literally just a few days ago. Um, and this was at the Oxford Union at the University of Oxford in the United Kingdom. And basically what they do, it's actually quite interesting. They, they set up these like parliamentary style debates. We've actually seen some of them before when we played some clips of Pierre a couple months in ago Canada. in Canada. And what they'll do is, is that they'll come up with some sort of proposition and it can vary. It depends on, you know, the day and the week. Um, this one was about uh, the proposition was this house believes that woke culture has gone too far. And the way that it works is the people that would agree with the proposition will go to one side of the room and the people that will disagree with it will go to the other side of the room. And then they'll have the most prominent people on both sides that will stand up and they'll trade arguments back and forth. And so this was literally like one of the last arguments 
arguments that the side that was in favor of the idea that woke culture had gone too far. So this was the anti-woke side. And the guy who who speaks here, he was like one of the last people to speak, and he probably had the most profound impact, actually, of anybody that and that, I, that I, spoke. Um, and like I said, it was just published a few days ago, and it's gotten tens of millions of views on Twitter and YouTube. So there's a really good chance that you've seen it, and if you haven't, there's a really good chance that you should see it. Nick has not seen this yet, obviously, because he is busy in Richmond, and I know that in future episodes, maybe possibly this one, we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more in, in detail about sure. what he's doing in Richmond. But um, yeah, we're going to have Nick have a blind react to it. He has not had a chance to see this yet. All right, let's play it. I am so tired of talking about woke culture. No, no, free speech is not some right-wing reframing of whatever. It's the foundation of Western civilization upon this civilization is built and the enlightenment values that led to it. I don't have to make the point that has been made by far better people in the past that the only way to deal with the problem of racism is to treat people on the content of their character and nothing else. And the fact that woke culture seeks to overturn that is a new form of racism that we must all oppose. It means also I will not use this opportunity to say I told you so, as someone who spent the last five years warning people in the West that if we continue to erode our culture, if we continue to undermine our confidence in Western values, that our enemies, enemies like Vladimir Putin, will seek to capitalize on it. I will not make any of those points tonight. At all. I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. <laughs> because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational argument, so let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We're told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshiping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. <laughs> Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a about saving the planet. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country, it's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port <laughs> I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian house in the back garden? <laughs> and if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. 
I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later, you have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very communist party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? A third of all children who live in extreme poverty in the world live in India. That means they are starving and dying of preventable disease. Now, about 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. <laughs> and for nine months, we talked about what our boy would look like, what he might do when he grows up. We looked at baby scans and videos on YouTube about what the fetus looks like at nine months and 12 months and 20 months. And eventually he was born. And he is this cute little bundle of joy. He's cuter than about 80% of puppies. Right. Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live. He would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. <laughs> And then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so, I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, 
is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> So you I've never quite the, heard it go that direction. You can see the comedian in him come out a little bit. A little uh, bit, but it was pretty serious for somebody that I would have thought w had been a comedian. I would he, have thought he'd crack a few more jokes. He's but. from Russia. He he did not grow up in this, you know, luxurious, you know, Western culture society. As he pointed out, he used some examples from the second and third world. And, and I, I think he points out that notice how woke people are not coming out of Nigeria yeah. or Vietnam or yeah. China. They're coming out of first world developed rich societies that don't have to deal with problems like malnutrition. And it's an incredibly entitled mindset. Yes. It's, 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 I am the center of the universe and nothing exists outside of me. That kind of mindset. And it's also the idea that I, I it's this idea that that you know the, the biggest pro you know the biggest problem in society today is you know straight heterosexual white men that build all these power structures to oppress us, and then meanwhile you have starving children in India, or you have starving children in China, or starving children in Nigeria who've never met a white man in their life. And, you know, the, from their point of view, the biggest problem in society is that they don't have electricity in their house. They don't have Come plumbing. on, Christian, you know that colonialism is the reason for everybody's poverty. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that. It, 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 it's the, <laughs> that was sarcastic, well, guys. It's a, it's a global mm -hmm. shocker. It's it's a uh, unironically. It's a global perspective on wokeism. And he just systematically tears it down. So, Nick, what, what was your take on it? You haven't seen this before. No, I, I haven't. I, I thought it was interesting. I, I remember for like for a good portion of watching this, I was like, "What is the point?" That I mean, I, I agreed with what, what he is was he getting to? I, I thought yeah. it was well. I thought it was interesting, but I, I'm I'm very big on the idea that when you're talking about a, a particular topic, you you should at least make an attempt to stay within the relevancy of that topic. And for a while, that I was thinking to myself. I don't know where this guy is going to eventually go with this, but I, I will. I will credit him with this. One, he's he's obviously funny, but two, um, there's there's a storytelling component of what he does that I think is is very important and is severely lacking um, in, in a lot of what we do on what you might call the more conservative or, or libertarian side of the the spectrum. But um, the the ultimate point that he brought up that I thought was interesting. Is that and, and you guys have already commented on a little bit. It, it, it's the arrogance. Um, it is the unmitigated arrogance of woke culture, which demands that they be praised for displaying courage in environments where no courage is required. That, that demands that that whatever it is that they've held up as as the ultimate example of virtue or generosity or whatnot requires nothing of them personally, right? They're going to, they're going to take from somebody else or, or they're going to pretend. And as Christian was talking about, they're going to pretend that if you're growing up in a Western culture where, especially relative to the rest of world history, and even a good part, I would say the majority of the current world that we live in, if you've grown up in a, in a Western, um, uh, you know, 
democracy where you have generally you know free market economics, private property rights, et cetera. If, you, if you've grown up in that environment, you, you've grown up with a level of luxury and wealth and safety and security that most of the world right now can only dream of. And almost all of the world throughout human history up until the last couple of centuries ago thought it would have been absurd to assume it was possible. And yet, once again, all attention on you, right? No, no, no. You're the one that is dealing with situations that are so horrible and egregious. And oh my gosh, somebody hurt your feelings because they they missed, you know, they didn't use the correct pronouns. Oh, you poor baby. Yeah. Triggered over right? everything. It, again, it's, it's once again, it's this idea that no, 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 the attention must be on me. Look at how bold, brave I am at the same time that I also want to acclaim universal victim status. And then to, to the extent that I care about other people, it is this, this notion that, well, we're going to determine how, how you live. And don't worry, I'll steal from these other people over here in order to redistribute to you. And I, again, I just I think the, the point that he hit on that at the end there was this, this, again, this arrogant presupposition that are any of these people going to go home and like rip the indoor plumbing out of their house or the electricity <laughs> and go back to living in a, in a mud hut? No, they're not going to do that, but they sure as hell demand that somebody else do it at the same time that they want to claim some sort of special victim status. It's okay. They're just coming for your gas stove, Nick. <laughs> well, but no, I, I, do, I do think there's – and not, not to mention that the, the thing that he said that for me was actually the most profound was, was not even the parts about calling them out on their own – I, I want to say um, insensitivity, really. Um, but it was also the idea that – if you're going to, if, if you're genuinely going to say, okay, we, we understand that this is a problem or that's a problem or whatever it is. Okay. Well then how do you, how do you actually overcome it? And him pointing out that the, the woke answer to overcoming challenges in this world is to maintain some sort of aggrieved status and then use government through central planning and confiscation and redistribution in order to hopefully achieve something better. When in reality, all that does is really diminish our future prospects when in actuality, the, the real solution to the problems that we're facing is greater creativity, greater innovation, you know, greater wealth creation. And who are you going to rely upon to do that? Are you, are you going to rely upon centrally planned communist dictatorships? Are you going to rely upon Marxist economies? Are you going to rely upon um, you know, systems where the government essentially mandates, controls, and dictates what everybody does? Or are you going to rely upon the cultures that, that have actually managed to achieve not only elevated standards of wealth and prosperity, but have also created the sort of societies where genuine innovation is possible, not because the government is controlling it through some sort of bureaucracy, but rather because individual human beings, regardless of their color, regardless of their sex, are able to engage in an environment where we have things like freedom of inquiry, free speech, the sort of private property rights that allow you to use your resources in such a way and an economic structure, which encourages you to use it in a way that benefits other people. So, so which society are we going to rely upon to actually get us out of some of the problems that even the left acknowledges exist or the woke suggests exist? Are you going to rely on the civilizations that have freedom of inquiry, freedom of speech, free markets? Or are you going to rely on the ones that have central planning, central control? And essentially soft and or hard authoritarianism. And I think what uh, many of us have been pointing out, but 
not as good as, as this guy just did is that if you really believe these problems are, are, are significantly and existential, then why in the hell are all the woke progressives suggesting that the way to, the way to achieve these problems or to overcome them, excuse me, overcome the problems is through grievance, cultural, central planning, bureaucracy, and government control. It's absurd. And, and, and perhaps the, that's the greatest absurdity of all of this is not just that some of the problems that they're, they're pointing out are really not problems, but that their method for trying to solve those problems is by putting all of the power concentrated in the hands of what, an elite? They're going to decide for us? And pretend that we get some sort of say because we got to cast a vote every two, four, six years. <laughs> to to that point, Nick, I was in Texas uh, yesterday, and I got an Uber back to the Houston airport. And you know, there's always the concern that you know your Uber is going to be very talkative, and maybe you're not in the mood to be very talkative. I'm a talkative person, so it didn't really matter. And I was in in the car with four of my friends, and this our Uber driver ended up being a Cuban immigrant to the United States, and he was from Cuba. And his sole mission on that trip was to convince us that communism was the worst thing ever. Now, I, I was already convinced of that. My three friends needed probably needed a little bit of convincing just to help them along. Uh, but he said that every Cuban's dream is to make it to America. And, I, and we talked about his experience living there, the lines that they had to stand in to just buy food, how the government controlled every business. And, you know, it's funny that these woke individuals want to use the same force to achieve what they think will make them sleep better at night and fighting climate change that the Cuban government will use to keep their people under their thumb. And, and has successfully done so. I mean, I told when Hamilton told me that story. Um, I shared with him the incredible fact that Cuban Americans voted more for Ron DeSantis uh, a couple months ago in Florida than whites did. Huh, of course. Which is, yeah, it, it kind of blows apart the the whole idea that, again, another component of woke culture, which is well, the, the yeah, racist. To call everybody racist. That's because Cuban Americans don't understand that real socialism has never been. True. It's in, it's, yeah, it's internalized racism. Right, right, I mean, yeah. how many woke yeah. white liberals have you seen accusing uh, people who are not white of having internalized racism? against their own ethnicity. I mean, I, they will sit there as a white person and tell someone who is not white that that you you're a white supremacist. Well, speaking of the race stuff, we've talked about before in this podcast and you know what, in in the future it might be worth talking about it again in more detail because I think that from from my point of view, speaking as a white man, I see more hate thrown at women, Hispanic Asian and black conservatives than I do see any other group because they deviate outside of the bounds of what the left says is acceptable. They consider us all traitors they and, still think and a we're traitor evil. is to be destroyed. They still think we're all evil, right? But people like Hamilton and myself and Nick, right? The white men, it's kind of like we're expected to be evil. We're expected to be the sure. bad guys they're supposed to fight against. But the minute that Thomas Sowell comes onto the stage or the minute that the Cuban immigrant that fled Castro comes onto the stage and says, or the Venezuelan immigrant that, that, that fled Maduro comes onto the stage and says, no, 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 I, I agree with these principles too. I'm also a conservative. I also support free markets. I also support freedom of speech. I'm anti-communist. I'm anti-leftist. The minute that, that any of them come along and say the same thing, or the minute that a woman comes along and says, I don't agree with third wave feminism, 
any of those things, they deviate outside the bounds of what's acceptable. The left throws everything they have at those people and tries to completely destroy them. They they, they treat those people worse than they do the supposedly it's, it's evil. It's happened for a long time like that. Look at Justice Thomas and what he had to go through, and he called it a, a uh, high-tech lynching. The, what well, they, people, what they people put him always through. Treat, people always treat people that they perceive to be as traitors worse than they do people that they perceive to be as enemies. Right. But, but the other thing that I think is interesting about all this is that when you, when you, when you get past, when you get past all of like the woke proclamations about how horrible society is and specifically, you know, Western culture and, and capitalism and whatnot, and you ask them like, okay, so, okay, so we're a systemically racist, horrible society and culture. What would you like to replace it with? Oh, we want more collectivization and we, and we want more, you know, oh, oh, so, so you want to replace the horrible, insidious Western culture with a, a different economic system designed by a German guy, a, a white heterosexual German guy. Like that's, that's what's going to solve your systemically racist system is, is by taking on a different system that has been, you know, the, the most comprehensively articulated by a couple of, of white German guys. Like that's I like it, it fails its own standard for, for relevance. Sure. And, and you know, and, and again, the, the most important thing to understand about a lot of this, and, and this is one of the most interesting conversations I had was um, actually a, a while back. And it was, I, I forget the name of that social media site. Um, oh, it's the, it, it, it came out during COVID. And the whole idea was it was, it was supposed to be able to create an environment where people could come together and discuss issues, but it wasn't like Twitter uh, clubhouse clubhouse. Yep. Um, so, so I, I go on there and we, we were actually listening to someone to talk from South America about kind of the, the, the origins of thought on free markets and, um, you know, constitutional limitations on government power and whatnot. And, and some of the people within South America that, that had pushed this concept. And there was another one they were talking about some of the same concepts within, within Asia. And it was, it was interesting that, you know, again, we, we do focus a lot on, like Ludwig von Mises or Frederick Bastiat or uh, Montesquieu or John Locke, et cetera. And, and those were all very influential in the West. What was fascinating to me was to learn that at the same time that was going on, or, or in, in some cases before that was going on, you had similar thinkers that were, were articulating the same principles in Asia or Africa or South America. The difference was is that they became more prominent in the West. The West uh, adopted them. And the reason why I think that's so important is because all these people that are trying to, to you know, put forward this idea that these concepts are, are Western, it, it's actually, it, it's, it's a confusion. It's a misrepresentation of what was actually going on. These ideas are universal. You can find them no matter what culture that you, you've engaged in. The difference was is which cultures at different points in time truly embraced them and implemented them. And one of, one of my biggest problems with the way that woke culture attempts to explain itself is that it, it tries to put a racial component on an idea that has no racial component. The scientific method is not white. Free market economics is not white. Representation within government, this is not white. But the, these concepts are universal. There are. And... and and one of, and again, one of the most frustrating things, and, and again, I think it's intentional. The reason why they do it is because they, if you can make an argument on a racial component or a sex uh, or, or a um, um, like a gender component or whatever it is, 
you can automatically try to put some things off limits for discussion. Like, no, 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 you're not allowed to comment on this. You're not allowed to talk about this because you fall within the suppressor category, which we've already determined is, is you, you don't get a say. Speaking of gender, and Lydia, I know that you have another clip that you would like to show everyone. Is that right? I do. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And before we move on, I wanted to mention that the reason that these people are able to make these cases for insane authoritarianism is because they've grown up in the freest culture in the world, which has made it the most wealthy, the most productive, and the most inventive we've ever seen. So now they're in a position where they're saying it's not good enough because it isn't my leftist utopia. And one of the ways we're seeing this, as Hamilton mentioned, is with gender. And the most recent example of that is the speech given by this person who now owns the Miss Universe pageant. Her name's Anne. I have no idea how to pronounce Anne's last name. Um, but you guys have to see this speech because isn't Anne in woman face? Voice don't match up. Okay. I, I was going to ask yeah, you, is it's really, is, uh, it's really bad. Is Anne in woman face? We're about to find out. Anne is in woman face. Yes. So I, I had Andy I haven't heard listen before. to the voice before he saw. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, I had Andy listen to the voice before he saw the face and his face was a picture when he realized what this person looked like. So let's listen to that now if Hamilton's ready. I'm ready to go. Welcome to the Michigan West organization. What the hell? <laughs> From now on, it's going to be ran by women. Women. Owned by Juan Suman. For all women. Women. <laughs> this is wild. For all women really around the world women. to celebrate the power of feminism. <laughs> This is like Rachel Dozel. No, it's like bad lip lip reading. Creativity. (laughs) It's like it's dubbed. It's really an experience. Beauty of humanity. Okay, so so I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Lydia for you to tell us. Yeah, so there was a guy behind the the curtain that was actually saying this all. Like like that 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 sounded like if you've ever seen those videos, (laughs) the bad lip reading videos. Like that. Well, it's kind of like when Caitlyn Jenner talks, and you're just like. You sound like an old man. You don't even sound feminine at all. Well, this guy is actually somewhat passable, unlike Caitlyn Jenner. Well, visually passable. <laughs> That's but... what I meant. Well, obviously not audibly right. passable. Holy moly. I cannot believe that. Actually, I can believe that. Yeah. We've gotten to a point now where it's like, yeah, yeah it's it, it, this would have been. St- I mean, it's, it's just mildly like kind of funny and surprising. But like five years ago, this would have been like. What on earth? But now it's it's almost like you've just been pummeled all over the head. So this much is how the patriarchy. That- this is how the patriarchy took over feminism. That the patriarchy's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you can be a woman. Well, I can be a woman twice as well as you can be. Check me out. And then Caitlyn Jenner won Woman of the Year. You know what I mean? It's. It's, it's pro- like we're we're, we're better, better at everything than, than you guys. Men are even better at being women than women. It's <laughs> I just can't. It reminds me of Rachel Dozel when she was outed as being white um and she was in leadership in uh the NAACP in some chapter she headed up that chapter and she just identified as as being black when she's actually very white and um that's that's what this is it's totally the same kind of thing well, but I, it's actually more of a mockery it's even more of a mockery 
One one thing I'll say kind of across the board with this, because, you know, Lydia led us off with there's a lot of people, I think, on the conservative side. We're we're just we can't believe we have to argue uh, on this front. And and it gets tiring. It gets tiring to point out like logical inconsistencies. It gets it gets tiring pointing out various absurdities. And we've kind of looked at it like, well, how do we how do we properly engage it? Right. Because we can't just sit down and pretend it doesn't exist. No, that's how we got here. Here's what I would. Yeah, exactly. We, we pretended like this wasn't a big deal. And the next thing you know, like everyone said, oh, well, that's a slippery slope fallacy. Well, let me show you where we are on the graph of the slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Um, yeah. But, but uh, here, here's the encouraging part. Here's the encouraging part. If, if you look around, there, there are a lot of people that are buying into this, obviously, within our school system, within our university system, within popular culture. They are desperately trying to push this. But what do you see taking place on everything from like Disney to like watching, you know, like, uh, you know, Marvel and like that, people are rejecting this. They might not be coming out and like raising the black flag and like, you know going to war, right? But they're, they're rejecting this on, on some level. And so here, here's what I would, here's what I want to encourage everybody to, to think about. If you're, if you're constantly fighting against what you perceive to be wrong or incorrect, and the way that you're doing it is, is pointing out what's wrong or incorrect, that is certainly one way to do it. And, and at times, it is an entirely appropriate way to do it. But, but here's what I'm going to tell you is far more effective, um, I, I believe. Living the way that you think actually does make sense. Because if, if you're constantly pointing out what, what's wrong, right, there, there's, a, there's a negative component to that. And again, it's, sometimes it's appropriate. But it's far more effective to actually just live in accordance with what is right, you know, if, if they want to sit here and they want to tell you that, okay, now we own Miss Universe and Miss Universe is going to be whatever we want. Okay, great, fine. You go do that. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to continue, we're going to, continue to, to, to live and act and participate in those areas based off of the values that we actually believe in and reflect. And you know what we're going to do? We're, we're, going to, we're going to teach our kids to have good morals and to respect their bodies. And you know what we're also going to teach them to do? We're going to teach them that, that this is what a good marriage looks like. And we're going to teach them that this is what beauty looks like. And we're going to teach them that this is this is the way to be responsible and this is the way to be creative. And we're going to teach them all those things that are great and wonderful. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to allow reality to sort it out. And when it turns out that lo and behold, the people that don't push grievance culture, the people that don't constantly see themselves as victims as they live in one of the wealthiest, most prosperous nations in the world, the people that don't blame all of their problems on everybody else or things that happened 100 years ago are the ones that are successful regardless of how rich their parents are, regardless of what their skin color is, regardless of what their sex is, when they just live out these values that says, you know what, if I work hard and I, and I take life seriously and I actually view reality as reality, not only am I more prosperous, not only am I more secure, but it turns out I'm a whole heck of a lot more happy. Then the bottom line is that somebody watching in, somebody that is, that is constantly sitting there trying to make sense out of a reality that makes no sense is at some point going to be like, you know what? I don't really care what you're saying anymore because I'm watching what those people are doing. And man, it seems to be working. They, they seem to be happy and well-adjusted and the world makes sense to them. And they're not living in this constant state of trying to find somebody to blame for why their stupid philosophy doesn't work. 
you got to get your kids out of the schools if you're going to do that, though. Well, uh, unfortunately, come, everything in entertainment and everything in schools and everything that you look around and see, aside from being at home or e- even the church, hesitates to touch on this. And yeah, so it, comes, it's, it, it is one of those things to. where it's like you cannot just go, oh, we're going to mind our own business and do this thing. You got to pull your kids out of the schools. And the left wants to force you to keep your kids going to these schools. They do not like where, school and choice. You, and that's where you have to, that's where you do have to focus on, on, on talking about the negative side of this. But here's, I guess this is what I'm getting down to. At the end of the day, you can find a counterfeit one of two ways. You can either really good. You can either get really, really good at figuring out what a counterfeit looks like, or you can be really, really good at actually the identifying the genuine article. And so, what I'm what I'm yes. saying is, is that yeah, there there will be times where you have to point at the counterfeit and say that's counterfeit. But the far more effective way to live your life is to be the genuine article. And guess what? It, it it's a it's a wonderful, happy experience. I cannot tell you how wonderful life has been. Not because it's always been easy. But because I was raised to believe that when there's a problem and there's a challenge, you don't immediately start looking around for who to blame for it. You find a way that you can improve yourself in your own situation in order to make it better. And not just for you, but for your family, for your kids, for your neighbor, for your community, for your country. And when you start focusing on that and like, okay, what can I do to make things better? All of a sudden, lo and behold, your life gets better. And you find a great person to marry. And then you have kids. And then you find great ways to raise your kids. And you have these wonderful experiences. And sooner or later, other people on the outside looking in will say, you know what? I was sold a bill of goods. I was told that this counterfeit thing was the way that I was supposed to live my life. It was wrong. And I know it because now I'm looking at the genuine article and I see what the truth is. So as frustrating as it may be to deal with all these other things, never stop, never stop understanding that the most powerful testimony you give for what you believe is how you live your own life. And that, that is the, that is the greatest contrast and the greatest argument that you can possibly give. And to Tina's point, there will be times where they will drag you in and say, no, 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 we're going to force you to do something. And that's where you stand up and you say, absolutely never, not, not now, not ever, but give people something to point to as an alternative, not well, just an argument. I can tell you what they should not be pointed to, which is that recent statue of MLK that was unveiled. <laughs> nice segue, you, Christian. You want to talk about <laughs> yeah. uh, identifying yeah. frauds? And, and uh, like, I, I have made the argument, and, and Nick, Nick will agree with me on this because we both love Impressionism. Um, impressionism, I, I yes. would argue, is like the mm. peak of artistic um, beauty in the last like 200 years. But... I think since the 1920s, art has died. Art died with Art Deco. Art Deco was the last actually gorgeous, beautiful form of architecture that embodied like soul and meaning and purpose into it. Mm. And since the 1920s, postmodernist architecture has just been a travesty. Yes. And there's no better example of this than what was just unveiled. What an insult to the memory of MLK, this, this statue, which is supposed to be commemorating a very famous photo of, of, of him but they took off the heads and they, when you take off the heads yeah. a bunch of arms is weird well, that's and from modernist architecture and, for you yeah and that's the thing is um the internet has been ablaze about this sitting here going oh from you just look at it from a different angle and every different angle is another weird sexual act at least that's what it looks like <laughs> it looks like 
Yeah. That looks like a sexual act, you guys. Go ahead and chime in. Tell us what you think that looks like. There's no, like don't do that. Three, there's like three different angles that you can look at this from, and they're all bad, and they all carry really, really ugly connotations. I just, but you know what's crazy, Lydia? Didn't you tell us that you found like the price tag for this thing, didn't you? Yeah, so this thing cost $10 million, Jeez. and somebody was commenting on Twitter. They were like, this artist has to be snickering as he's cashing this check because, holy cow, it doesn't matter what angle you look at it from. It is uh, transgressive because I'm trying to keep this family friendly. It could be any one <laughs> of a number of really profane things. I feel like I'm saying this Correctly, I'm trying yeah. to keep it really um, nice, but there's no nice way to say it. You would have thought that they would have done this in miniature and they would have focus grouped this past a few people. Like, yeah. go to the people who run Urban Dictionary and be like, what do you think of this? You know, and like, tell us what this says to you before I tell you what it is. I mean, people are going to yeah. look at this and go, yeah, I mean, yeah. Depending on which direction you look at it, it looks like something. Okay, so I, I know that for the audience at home, like we've talked about a lot of like seemingly random stuff today that's not interconnected, but it actually is connected and it all goes back to wokeism and really postmodernism. It's which the is destruction the of our society. It, it, it is. And, yes. and it manifests itself in many different ways. On the political side, it manifests itself in these like new political cults that have emerged, really like the church of wokeism. If you notice, Nietzsche over a hundred years ago wrote that God is dead and we have killed him. And a lot of people will end end right there with, with, with the script, you know, in terms of like what they've heard. But he actually goes on a little bit more and he talks about, you know, murder of all murderers, you know, what are we to do now that we've, we've gotten rid of this? And he came up with this whole idea of the Ubermensch, the, 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 the perfect man that kind of rises above his nihilistic, you know, understanding of the universe to become who he was always meant to be. It's, it goes back to the whole will of power, you know, will to power thing. And in a way he was, he was right for all the wrong reasons, because once you removed meaning and purpose and beauty and truth from the world, you end up getting the same sort of things that we're getting right now. You, and so it's not surprising that wokeism kind of resembles a religion because when you kill off a religion or when you attempt to kill off a religion, I don't, I don't actually think science has successfully killed off religion. I, I, I think there's more than enough evidence to disprove that. But in the minds of a lot of people, right. it has. And when you kill it off, you're not going to see the new atheists are completely wrong. They think that when you kill it off, you're just going to get, oh, you're going to get, you know, people laughing at the sky daddy or whatever and everybody's going to become some great woke you know secular no, now humanist. they're rejecting science no they will become cultists and now they're coming for the same people that champion this stuff like people like richard dawkins can't even go to a university now because the the group that he helped create now wants to get rid of him because guess what he's a biologist too he's not just an atheist yeah. so he has he's wrong on a lot of things but the one thing that he's right on is the thing that he's going to get canceled for now which is that he believes in biology like men are men and women are women and so right when, when you remove these 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 things that underpin society like the idea that there is an objective truth meaning purpose value the things that underpin i would argue western civilization especially christianity you end up not replacing it with this you know quirky conception of humanism or this utopian communism you replace it with these weird political cults and that's why wokeism resembles right. a religion this is also why Look at and it manifests itself in different ways. Again, look at the architecture side of things. 
90% of things that are being built today look like trash. Well, it's because they're deconstructed. Like they need to, it's like the Winchester mansion where they never stopped building it. They had stairways going to nowhere and yes. it, it was just complete chaos because the spirits were telling her to do it. And it's but not now, just in buildings too. It's in yeah. art. It's in, it's in public sculptures. It's in, it's in some of the culture stuff. Like we saw with the Miss Universe clip that Lydia yeah. showed us. And so it, 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 it I, I know that people are getting sick and tired of hearing about the quote unquote culture wars, but hmm. there's a, there's well, an origin. I'm so to all sorry if this. you're sick of it because we are not even through the middle of it yet. It is not even close to being, no, over. you know, that meme, the whole, um, it's a funny meme. It's, it's a guy on a tank. It's, it's from like the, I don't know, like the, the Yugoslav wars in the nineties or something like that, it, or the picture is, but it's a guy on a tank and it looks like this like apocalyptic background. And he's looking at you and he's like, Hey <laughs> yeah. friend, I know things are tough right now. Things don't look great, but I just want you to know they're going to get a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I right. feel like the, so that's encouraging. what we're living through right now. <laughs> I, I feel like that statue yeah. could have been so beautiful. I mean, the it picture, the picture they used was a wonderful picture. They could have made it beautiful if they would have kept their upper bodies intact. But instead it's like these arms reaching around to more arms that reach around to more arms. It's just like this pretzel of arms and right. I'm sorry, but like it, it's like they removed the humanity from them and they just cut off their body parts. And I'd be offended. I, I agree. But it's it's important. And the reason I said everything that I said earlier is for the audience. A lot of our audience members will see this and agree. But it's important to, to construct why it's ugly. And it's also important to construct yes. why this is tied in with other stuff, because there's a lot of conservatives on the Internet that will just go out there and they'll rail against woke culture. They'll rail against the libs. But then they won't explain why postmodernist art is ugly or why it even exists in the first place. It's because the things that underpin society in terms of meaning and beauty are being stripped away from us. And so what's being left behind mm -hmm. are these hideous manifestations of, of people attempting to create meaning out of nothing. And you can't do that. This is why it's all interconnected. This is also why I, I do this every couple of weeks where I say, we need to do an episode entirely devoted to postmodernism. And I'm hoping that maybe at some point, aliens, no, okay. <laughs> no, but like, like, like maybe at some point when Nick gets out of session and maybe we could use some examples from session, because I know there's a lot of Democrats in the legislature where Nick is that, that, believe in some of these, ironically enough, truth claims, despite the fact that a lot of these people will say there is no truth and facts trump, uh, you know, facts get trumped by feelings. But um, it's important to tie this all together because I think there's a lot of people that, that understand that there's, they can't quite put their, 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 you know, finger on the pulse of it, but they know that there's something yeah. wrong with society right now and they don't know why, mm -hmm. but they know there's an issue. They know something's not right. And they don't know why it's not right. And I think the purpose of this podcast is to is to explain why some of these problems exist and also what you at home can do about it. And that's why I loved, honestly, like Nick's two reactions. He, that he we, was on fire today. He was. Sorry, well, ev yeah, everyone's still listening. Uh, Nick had to jump off of the recording to head back into session. Uh, but he will be back with us on Thursday, of course. But I thought he was on fire today. Really had some good yeah, stuff to sure say. Was. Yeah, he made it happen. Well, Lydia, why don't you wrap um, us out here? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just going to add before we go. I just wanted to throw in there that I think 
I've always had a really hard time identifying what exactly beauty is because it's so subjective. When Jordan Peterson was talking about Numi Yu and he said, sorry, not beautiful, and no amount of authoritarianism is going to tell me it is, he was referring to the subjective uh, because beauty is such a personal experience that I'm sure that some people might find from a certain angle this statue might be considered beautiful because the hands are beautiful. It is very large. It's made of burnished bronze, right? But I think part of what we're seeing with this falling apart of beauty is that we no longer have objective truth to stake it on. We can't agree what is or should be beautiful. We're just flying blind. And if anything, I feel like this experiment in art should be indicating to the postmodernists who are trying to dismantle everything that Constantine Kissin was railing against earlier in this uh, episode should just let them know that they don't have what it takes to build a viable alternative. Now, I know they think they do. They just think that everything is wrong with our current setting. And so they're trying to upgrade us ostensibly for some kind of leftist utopia. They're going to fail. And all you need to do is look at art to see how that's going to go because it's not going to go well. You absolutely must have objective truth. You are not creating a new enlightenment without objective truth. So to wrap this all up, we started with Constantine Kissin talking about waging a war on wokeness. We saw the practical application of wokeness when it comes to feminism and the incorporation of the male body into female spaces. And we closed with some crazy postmodern art. So it can leave us a little bit hopeless, but Nick was entirely correct. What we have to do is offer a, an example of what is good. And because it is based on objective truth, people will be able to see really easily that it's positive. We don't dye our hair crazy colors. We don't go to therapy three times a week. We don't need a therapist to prop us up as we go along. We have parents. We have children. We have families that we care about and spouses and people around us who actually make a difference to us. And I think that's truly the strongest argument that conservatism can make to the world at large. We aren't just saying postmodernism is bad. We aren't just saying social, uh, social justice warriors are crazy. What we're saying is that we have something better and we know something true. And I find that to be incredibly powerful. It's kind of sad that we haven't pushed that better. But hopefully during today's episode, that's kind of what we did for you guys in our audience. So thank you all very much for joining us. We had a great time today, even though it was a little unorthodox. Hopefully we'll get all the details ironed out as we do this more often. Um, but we will see you all next time. Bye, guys. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.